0: Hi, I'm Donovan. And I'm Matt. And this is... Blacklight the Spotlight.
1: Hello, 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 hello. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in for episode six. Oh, my goodness. Where does the time go, Matthew?
0: I don't know, but I don't know if this is episode six, so that's the first...
1: (laughs) Well, why did you write episode six outline in our Google document? I need
0: to think now. I need to think. Okay.
1: Google we, document is life. This is basically like a legal document. I'm gonna look on Spotify. <laughs> because we had two part episodes, remember?
0: Yeah. So part so part one is you me. <laughs> Sorry, episode one is both. Mm-hmm. Two is compensation BIPOC, three binary, four During the allyship Donovan, five during allyship Matt, six college.
1: Just so y'all know, listeners, we were in agreement from this from the beginning. We just wanted to list off all of our episodes so you would know what we've done already.
0: Also for the listeners, Donovan and I usually like say, oh, we're going to make sure we banter because that's good feedback that we got when we did a focus group for this. (laughs) I didn't know you were going to sneak attack me
1: and say that this was part of the banter. I only sneak attack you, Matt. But anyways, 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 we don't have time. We have to get to the point, Matt. Um, How, I just, I feel like since our last episode, so much has happened.
0: Oh, has there been a lot happening, Donovan? Have we had (laughs) five times the amount of COVID cases that we had in April per day? Have we had a week-long election process? Is that it? Just a week? Just Just, No, that's not all. Not only have we in our humble but not so humble opinion, have um, what is closer to decency back in the White House. We also have the first woman, the first black person, and the first South Asian person as the vice president. Amaze.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. It just feels like a collective weight has been lifted off all of our shoulders, you know?
0: Agreed. Did you watch... Uh, you know, both their victory speeches.
1: Duh. Beautiful. It's history making.
0: Oh, incredible.
1: Yeah. I sobbed the entire time. Mm hmm. So last episode, we had Courtney Ricky Green to chat with us um, about Black initiatives within higher education. Um, I've been connected with Courtney through the work I'm doing uh, at my alma mater, um, through our organization, ICTA Bipoc, and it's been it's been so wonderful to connect with other Black organizers around the country. Courtney is a graduate of Syracuse University's drama program, and she has just been—I mean, to put it simply—a boss bitch <laughs> combating white supremacy. And I'm just I'm so impressed by the work she's been doing, and I'm just so excited to have connected with her and to just kind of hear her insight on everything. So if you haven't already, please, please, please tune in to that most recent episode. But yeah, let's talk about Matt, what are we going to be chatting about today?
0: So today, Donovan, we are going to be talking about uplifting Latinx voices and exploring saying, I can't even, you know, Donovan, I speak Spanish and I try so hard to say Latinx with, oh, I did it. You did it. Bravo. So we are focusing on uplifting Latinx voices and exploring the Latinx experience today. But wait, there's more. This will be the first time we're doing this with two guests.
1: Yay. Yay. I'm so excited for the two guests we have with us today. These are two of my really close friends, and I just, I can't wait to pick their brains. So first, 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 I'm going to throw it to Carlos. So Carlos, I would like you to tell us, tell the listeners who you are, so your name, your pronouns, how you identify as an artist, and why you're feeling yourself this week.
2: Oh my goodness. So excited to be here. Hi Donovan. Hi Matt. Um, okay. So, uh, my name is Carlos Castillo. Uh, they, them, theirs. Uh, I am an actor, um, singer, songwriter, musician, uh, teaching artist person in the Philadelphia area currently. And why I'm feeling myself today? I don't know. I mean, like, I'm just feeling okay today. It's, a uh, it's an okay kind of day. Uh, I took a shower. That was good. It was, it's, that, it's a day off from work. We're here and we're present and I'm with friends.
1: Ah, hell yeah.
2: Virtually. It's good.
1: <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- thank you. Thank you for sharing your truth with us. Uh, Carlos and I met a couple of months after Carlos moved to Philly. And I feel like as I meet, we met the same way I meet a lot of Philly actors in class and carlos and i were partnered together for a a sort of accountability exercise do you remember that
2: yes yes we were to hold each other Mm -hmm. accountable for all of our exercises and stuff like that and i don't think we texted each other once no but we still like (laughs) we still kept in touch like we ended up just hanging out outside of like all of that like we all grabbed drinks Mm -hmm. one at one point and like yeah and then quarantine happened and we all like got even closer together, I thought, which was really lovely.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Even though we didn't text during class like we were supposed to, I feel like now we text.
2: Yeah, (laughs) now we text all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you for being here, Carlos. And our second guest today is Ashton. Ashton, welcome. So same thing for you. I would like you to tell us who you are, what are your pronouns, how do you identify as an artist, and why are you feeling yourself this week?
3: Hey, <laughs> um, I'm Ashton Muniz. My pronouns are Ashton, they, them, and he, him. Um, I identify as an actor, a performance artist, um, a, a dancer. I'm multi-hyphenate. Um, I, the art that I make ranges and expounds boundaries and is always outside the box, so yeah. I like to not limit myself to like one discipline. I like mm-hmm. to act. I like to produce, um, but everything it always has to be very intentional. Um, yes. And why I'm feeling myself, um, I'm alive, <laughs> and that's why I'm feeling myself.
1: <laughs> mm. So yeah, Ashton, thank you, thank you so much for being here and lending your insight, your expertise, your multi-hyphenatisms um like I I can't remember if I said this already but Ashton and I know each other from Ithaca College um and we were both two black students from the south just trying to tackle a drama program together and I don't know Ashton I feel like you're um (laughs) and just such an iconic graduate your career has just been so wild and I'm just, I'm so grateful. Oh my God,
3: I'll cry.
1: <laughs> Above all else, ugh, I'm just so grateful for your friendship and you being like my low-key therapist, unpaid. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I think for me, this episode, uh, part of why it felt so important to have two guests on this rather than just one is because the Latinx experience traverses so many different um boundaries or, or things, I guess. And so I really wanted someone who could speak to the Black Latinx experience and someone who had a different experience. So I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm really grateful for the both of you and the conversations that I've had with both of you regarding race and ethnicity have just been so, so juicy. So yeah, I can't wait to get more in depth with all of this. Amen to all
0: that. I'm I'm very excited. So, Carlos, dun dun dun. Our first question is for you. Terrified. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't bite. I swear. <laughs> now, as a sidebar, those that are new to Blacklight the Spotlight, uh, we call many of our listeners not not all, but many who are on a journey to better their allyship. We call them apprentices. So, for our apprentices out there, can you give us a brief explanation? of the difference between Hispanic and Latinx and why they're similar, but they are not interchangeable.
2: Sure. I think Latinx refers a little bit more to diaspora and the idea of like the intermixing of the Spanish and Latin colonizers that exist in uh, Central South America and the Caribbean Hispanic is specifically those of uh, Spanish origin. Latinx is just like a much, much larger bubble. There are plenty of Hispanic people, for example, who are Europeans from Spain who would not identify as Latinx, and there are plenty of uh, Latinx people, for example, those like in Brazil who, you know, are um, a combination of Native American, African, and uh, Portuguese people who would not identify as uh, Hispanic. So I think that's like just the run of the mill quick definition.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. There's something about um, people just dropping knowledge that I just find very sexy. So <laughs> I'm over here oh like, yes, Carlos, give me that knowledge. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, okay. So the next question, I'm going to throw this to Ashton. So what the Term that we're using today is um, Latinx, so L A T I N X. And I was hoping, wondering really, if you'd be able to explain to listeners why we're using that term rather than um, Latino. There's also a word that I've been introduced recently, which is, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but um, Latine, so with an E on the end. And um, Ashton, I was just hoping you could kind of give people an explanation of the differences between all those words.
3: Yeah, um, I'll I'll give them an explanation of the differences in like how I view it, and and it could be very wrong. (laughs) But um, instead of using, you know, like Latino or Latina, um, Latinx uh, is a term that has come about because it's um, more of a gender neutral term because um, Latino is um, the masculine verbiage, which um, a lot of people, tried to make like a generalized term but not a lot of people identify with um that or with latina some people identify um you know along the gender spectrum like i myself do and (laughs) plenty of other people um so latinx is a more um gender inclusive term um especially when you're talking about a wide group of people with vast experiences um you know, Latine is something that I actually am unfamiliar with. I haven't heard a lot of people use Latine. Um, but I think that that term also would fall under something that is more gender inclusive than um, the binary of Latino, Latina.
1: Yeah.
2: If if I can jump in real quick. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that the Latine is like an attempt to give more honor to the language, Mm. just because the A at the end is a more gender-neutral gender ending for the Spanish language. Latine is something just like that some people are trying to use to honor both the gender neutrality, but also honor the language.
3: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Probably
3: some people will make
2: the argument that would be like more
3: um, grammatically correct, but they both are.
1: Yeah. I think, I also think something to note for our... Listeners, is that the Spanish language is an inherently um, engendered language, right? So there's the masculine form, the feminine form, and if you, you know, don't exist in those two binaries or exist somewhere else on the spectrum, um, there's the issue of kind of erasure. And then, like on the other hand, what I've seen with uh, native Spanish speakers saying about the X is that it doesn't feel truthful. Uh, to their language. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I'm I'm happy that we are having these conversations.
2: I've always also been like conflicted about that too, because like Spanish is so gendered, Mm -hmm. but it also kind of proves in and of itself how much of a construct that gender is because they gender things like chairs and like desks. It kind of also blows open just like how kind of inconsequential all of it is. So I have mixed feelings on it. Yeah, that's a great point. Thank you for that. Amen to that. To piggyback that as well, I thought that was,
0: Donovan, what you said about Latinx versus Latine and what you had read about the X not feeling as authentic. And again, I can't speak to this. This is just one or two articles I read, was it goes back to... I think episode two or episode three with PAX wrestler and how they said they're a gender full person, a person full of gender and how the A Latin a might be more gender full versus gender canceling or gender neutral. Mm. But again, that was only, you know, an article I read. Carlos, I'm going to go a bit off the artistry track for a second. I'm wondering, you know, Donovan mentioned the, countries with the romance languages which i believe all five or six of them are uh
2: masculine feminine languages is that correct i think so i'm not gonna pretend to be an expert but (laughs) i'm gonna say yes
1: can i just say i thought there were only three romance languages there's five or six
2: five yeah uh what spanish french portuguese italian romanian
1: Romanian, wow,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
0: with this, my question is: Do you know if there is anything being uh, done in these countries right now to be more accommodating to the gender non-conforming and non-binary communities
2: because it is so inherently masculine-feminine? I don't think. Again, I can't because an expert because I'm not like a Spanish linguist. My Spanish actually like sucks. (laughs) But I would like to actually use this as a jumping off point to say that like a lot of Latinx people will view the Spanish language as kind of a symbol of the oppressor as a symbol of the colonizer. And a lot of like Spanish culture uh, is what kind of forced the binary into Latinx communities. Uh, as as far as my understanding goes especially with like the uh, heavily Catholic influences and all of that as far as the indigino, indigenous indigenous uh, communities in Latin America um, gender neutral and uh, genderful identities have been a part of the culture you know since the beginning the example that I, like have, know the most about are the muxes in uh, Mexico, uh, which would be basically non-binary people who would be seen as like uh, household caregivers or uh, spirit guides um, in in the communities. Uh, all this t- is to say that like I think we're rediscovering a lot of that culture and that sort of like understanding of um, gender neutral or gender neutrality or genderfulness within. You know, the cornucopia and like big mass of different influences that is Latinx culture, mostly with the help of like, of trans activists trying to like reclaim all of this history. I know, uh, you know, I learn al- almost everything I know with- from uh, following uh, Alokman on-, on Instagram, honestly. <laughs> what they share and like their um, pocket change collective book uh, beyond the gender binary, which I'm sure I think Pax must've talked about when you did that, that episode. Uh, So I don't want to like spend too much time on it, but um, yeah, I think it's just about uncovering what was there originally. But as far as like the Spanish language specifically, I think more and more we're sort of like understanding that that uh, language, while, you know, a lot of people still hold a lot of pride, in being Spanish speaking, a lot of it has unfortunately, you know, been associated with just, you know, the language of the colonizers and the language of the people who like really oppressed and eradicated the uh, indigenous population that make up such a large percentage still of the Latinx community.
0: Hmm. Thank you so much for that insight. That's a an, an, an perspective that I even ignorantly hadn't thought about. So thank you.
1: So I think I just want to, for the listener's perspective, just kind of blow open the notion that uh, race and ethnicity is just, it's such an interesting intersection. And I think uh, too often we, in the United States, we conflate the two. However, there are inherent differences. And like, we also have to understand that our definitions of race and ethnicity aren't the same in other countries. So- I am just so curious to know more about um, the black Latinx experience, specifically yours, Ashton. And so, oh, I mean, where to even begin? I guess I guess I'm curious. Have you always um, felt your race and ethnicity integrated? has has um, have you felt more like a black actor at times than a Latinx actor? like tell me tell me everything. Yeah,
3: I guess this is such a like wide question, and like like you just said, I can only answer specifically from my experience um, as um, a Black Latinx person. It's so interesting though. So growing up, I feel like I never had to really struggle with like the differences. Being Black and Puerto Rican just was what it was. <laughs> Obviously, there's like colorism within. Communities, but like at least in my perspective, like I didn't have to like step like separate the experiences until like I grew up and then saw that like people saw those two things as like completely different and like not one in the same. I, yes, um, obviously they are di- Like they're like white passing, Latinx people, but um, it's I just it was it was it's always something that like boggles like boggled my mind like growing up but yeah in terms of being like a professional artist and like struggling with that yeah there are plenty of places where i go where most latinx people look at me and automatically think that i'm dominican for some reason <laughs> <laughs> and it's really funny because i grew up in um i'm mostly like a, a mexican american like community um even funnier story me and my brother both had to get our birth certificates changed because on our birth certificates they read um mexican like that our dad was mexican for a long time which is false (laughs) i i think that like it's very important to like emphasize that like the latinx experience is like not monolithic so like when going out for like a certain audition or anything or like a a conversation I think that I keep having to have with like my um, agents or different people who come and ask me to play different things that like um, the Dominican experience and the Puerto Rican experience is completely different versus like the Native Mexican experience or Mexican American experience it's like the Latinx experience is not monolithic so like I should not be playing a Dominican role, that is not like the culture that like I know or was born into and, and that's my perspective. Some people think differently, <laughs> but i i don't i can't get down with that because there are so many actors right there are so many people who have vast experience and can bring the truth to those stories and that grew up without authenticity, so why not? Seek to find those people who have the the background that like you're actually and like why are you telling the story in the first place to highlight those people the back of those backgrounds so like who are underprivileged and don't have access to that in the first place or those stories aren't being told so why are you cutting around just trying to find someone who looks the part but like isn't necessarily necessarily or is white passing but has a last name that sounds xyz like i think i'm touching on a bunch of different things at once right now but um i hope (laughs) i'm answering the question yeah what was the question again I i
1: think i think i was just asking you to talk more about um your experience of being a black actor who also have who is also latinx
3: yeah i think like i'll go into um in for projects, and sometimes uh I definitely think that there have been vast and different moments and still moments, even now as we're going through a huge cultural shift where like I don't feel um like I'll go into like rooms for roles that call for a black actor and I don't feel black enough, and there'll be roles that I'll be called in for like a Latinx experience and I don't feel like I fit that cultural subset enough but I think that it's important for the, you know people who are making these projects and asking for certain things and asking for like a certain subset of experiences to be like completely clear about what they want and need because I'm not a um, native Spanish speaker and I uh, you know I have, to have members who like for Puerto Rico do you know Spanish Da-da-da-da. like there are certain things that like I have experience within my culture and certain things that like I was not um immersed in and so I can only you know tell stories and like make projects and things based on like my experience and I think it's important to live and make stories and make art based in your truth and like we don't we don't we don't need to fabricate anything anymore because like we need to be sharing the space with the authenticity of these pieces and things.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So I, thank you. You just, you just gave me, you gave me so much knowledge, but you also brought up so many more questions for me. And I think something uh, you touched on kind of leads to the casting question, right? And I feel like there's this idea of being culturally Latinx versus Having Latinx heritage, and so this question, um, I'm gonna ask this to Carlos first. Uh, do you do you think that there's a difference in terms of like who is allowed to tell these stories? So, for example, is someone who has been immersed in Latinx culture from birth um, are they more, you know, let's say uh, from a Puerto Rican culture, are they more able to tell in the heights than someone who happens to be Puerto Rican, but maybe can't speak Spanish, you know, maybe doesn't have too many ties to the community. Like, what are your, what are your thoughts on that, Carlos?
2: I, it's so complicated (laughs) for me, uh, especially, especially because like, I wasn't raised by the Latinx side of my family. And I found that like a lot of uh, I would be uh, shamed a lot for not having as much of a connection as I would have liked to, like, that kind of heritage. Um, I, you know, was shamed a lot for not knowing Spanish, even though my dad didn't teach me Spanish, and he could have. But, like, you know, it was, it was there was a lot of that, you know, that came with the territory. Um, but I'm of many minds about it. Like, obviously, I think that one should be able to empathetically create a story that isn't necessarily wholly your own right but I also think that it's down to finding like the best and most authentic person for the job especially when uh those who are often most authentically good for the job are overlooked in favor of one who is more palpable to white America right I mean that's kind of I think that that so I think it's a matter of perspective of why you are making this casting decision, and I think if you can't say that it's because they're the best for the part and only that they're the best for the part, you have to really look into like what you are saying with that, and th- and then we get into like topics of like white passing and all all of that stuff. Which I mean, I personally think we need to get white passing out of our vocabulary and just say white because Ooh. Uh, this is maybe controversial. No,
1: tell me more. Uh,
2: the thing is, uh, so just trying to like not identify Latinidad as a monolith because it's such a combination, you know, just like any country like America, like as of the colonizers and the colonized and even like, you know, a mixture of uh, those, you know, from Africa who had been enslaved and brought over there. Um, so I think uh, what, I personally would require in future casting and just like future creation of projects is specificity. So when you're looking for a specific experience, I honestly wouldn't mind. This is again, going to sound controversial and I don't mean it in like a negative way, but I wouldn't mind never seeing Latinx on a call sheet ever again. I would love to see, specific heritage i would love to see specific who is this person because like if you can talk about like you know pete davidson as like the king of staten island or something like that you can you can have a latinx character and know exactly where they're from and know exactly what their ancestry is, and have that specific thing in mind, and there will be an actor for the job. There is just, like, a bigger conversation of, like, Latinidad as a whole, and, like, how much of a construct it really is by, you know, who created that construct, and who created that that grouping of all of us together. Um, But I guess, like, the short version of saying that is just, like, I really would value in the future just specificity.
1: Thank you, thank you for that, and thank you for bringing up the idea of white passing or simply being white, which we like haven't even had time to <laughs> tackle on this quite yet. But Ashton, I'm curious, do you have any thoughts to add to this?
3: That was like a really beautiful way to put it. I love Carlos what you said about elimination of like white passing from our vocabulary because I feel like I I use that term a lot. Because I don't want to make people uncomfortable. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Which is something that, like, you know, me and my therapist are working on. <laughs> but also, I think the what was really inter- interesting, what you said, was about like um, removing, you know, Latinx from casting and things like that. Because then it asks people to um, get specific and, you know, like, really um, eliminate the idea that, like, this experience, this experience, these subset of experiences are one and the same because they're not. And then it also asks people to be more accountable for the decisions that they're making in um, the creation of stories. And like, not just casting, but like, you know, again, like asking why a certain story is being told and like really um, uh, honing in on that is like so, so, so important.
1: I agree. I think. I think my question or my concern. I think, you know, I always want specificity. Specific, specificity is so important as actors. I think uh, when it comes to casting calls, though, my concern is the more specific people get, the more likely you're going to have these problematic, likely white ass casting people who cast the wrong person who like should not be telling that story. Whereas if they had cast a wider net by using a term like Latinx, I wonder would that have been perpetuating uh, less harm? You know what I mean? It's
3: a hard question to tackle, you know, because like for instance, I was, might be totally off. Last year, my friends were doing this like reading. They did this like this reading series and they asked me to come in and read a role and they're like, Hey, you know, normally, um, like someone with the same background as you wouldn't be reading this. It would be a South Asian person, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And they were like, but we couldn't find an actor in time. And
2: I was like, okay, but that just means that you were lazy. <laughs> someone made me play a South Asian person in college also. Why? Why are people dumb?
3: I'm, I'm like going to take away like ego and like tooting my own horn. But like, I am nice enough to, in those circumstances to be like, actually, I know A person who could do this, or I can ask X, Y, and Z person to help get you that person in the room. So it's like, I just don't think that some people are willing enough to do the work sometimes. Like, if the story is written a certain way for a specific reason, it needs to be told that way. Like, there's a reason why.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so thank you both so much. The final question that we had for both of you is about your work and your artistry. So can you tell us some of the beauty you've witnessed being created amongst yourselves and your fellow Latinx artists within subcommunities and as a whole? Carlos, why don't you go first?
2: Huh, it's interesting. I mean, as a... Oh mixed and uh white latinx person uh the majority of people that i've personally played have been white people which i don't find to be a problem because that is part of my identity and uh my mestizo and like uh mayan heritage is not apparent to the eye so like that's you know not something that a lot of people will uh look for when casting me and i don't i don't have a problem with that because there are other people you know, who um, are out there who can tell uh, stories like that. But one of my favorite uh, audition experiences was uh, with Teatro del Sol, who I think works out of, or was working pre-COVID uh, with like a lot of the Arden spaces uh, and they, they were doing, um, they've been doing some like incredible work uh, and I just felt very affirmed. And like there were, again, like Latinx people of like many, many, many different backgrounds that were all validated in that space that I really appreciated. And also just like, uh, I love finding intersections of identity with all of the characters I've been able to play. Um, I, Donovan knows this, but like, uh, I, the majority of my career post-college has been doing, uh, the musical once, uh, I, I, did it at the art and I did it, uh, at only theater center in DC and I went on the most recent national touring production. Um, and when we were doing scene work at one point, um, my, my character was a Czech immigrant and I, uh, I actually do have, uh, Eastern European ancestry on my mother's side. So I was actually able to sort of identify with that. Um, but that we were doing table work and the assistant director was, uh, really pushing me to play the the character's struggle with uh, xenophobia and uh, just, like, a presumption of being um, assumed as lesser than because uh, they were an immigrant. And I just loved finding that intersection between all of my identities, uh, being able to be validated and worked through, um, you know, a character that may not have necessarily been written that way but I was able to bring something extra to it and that that really made me feel affirmed and validated and uh, I'm really grateful to uh, that director for giving me permission to like bring the wholeness of myself to uh, to that character
0: Oh that is beautiful and first of all I sat next to Donovan watching Once at the Arden and I don't think I've ever sobbed more in a theater Oh. Ashton uh, same question for you can you tell us uh, about any projects in particular about legacy uh, and can you tell us some of the beauty you have uh, witnessed amongst your fellow artists
3: I think what is I think is really amazing that's happening is this like whole shift that we have um, within theater film and television and art um, of people to be just calling them to be accountable um for everything and to see um representation in terms of um identity across the spectrum for artists um so I think what was really lovely is I recently worked on a workshop of um a play um that was sort of like written with each artist in mind um i can't talk about what it was um but what was what was really great about it is that like we were each able we were each very very different um and um there the root like the room felt full of unique perspectives but like vastly different perspectives and not like it was trying to feel some like diversity ticket. I, I wanna continue to be in more rooms like that that are drawing from um these experience each uh person's experience but also um pushing the narrative forward and like challenging um each artist to be um the best that they can be while while also um having accountability in something space. But with legacy, um legacy is a Black Queer Production Collective that I, um, my friends Basit Chatou, Kyle Carrillo-Lopez, and um, Garrett Allen started this summer. So we really felt that we weren't Being heard or seen in terms of fully being able to achieve and make art that um, we would love to see that represents Black queer culture across the spectrum. And we really were proposing this question of like, how do we show and highlight that Black queerness is not a monolith? Like, there's such um, a vast range of Black queer artists and art out there across theater, performance art, film, television, writing, um, and other things that we don't even know yet. And we're really, really excited because a lot of the art that we see is based on the like trauma of black queer experiences, black trans experiences as well. I mean, we're like, we want to um, produce works that celebrate the joy um, and beauty of the Black queer community because we have been so unrepresented um, for so long. And we wanna um, push the seat up for you know, Black queer sp- folks um, to really um, be able to tell their stories in their best light and for their voices not be respectful.
0: Beautiful, thank you. And also, can you tell us a little bit about Next Generation Project?
3: Um, The Next Generation Project um, is uh, a community dedicated to distributing self-care and mental health resources to Black and brown trans folks. Um, They kind of do a bunch of different fun things. They produce some um, cabarets and um, performances. They have another big performance or show coming up in the winter, um, kind of like a part two of their first. Um, show called Our Offering, which is going um, to be really amazing and fun. Um, so check those organizations out.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. At Blacklight the Spotlight, we always ask our guests to, to kind of promo one of their favorite charities or organizations of choice. And Carlos, how about you?
2: Uh, yeah. So there's uh, For the Girls Party, which I think is like currently the largest uh, mutual aid fund for um trans, uh, support of all kinds, uh, uh, funds for, um, gender affirming surgeries, uh, funds for housing, uh, healthcare in general. Um, and, uh, they just added a recurring donation option, uh, to their website. So, um, it, their, their link tree, I think I sent you and it should be posted, uh, with, with the podcast and they're awesome. And one of my favorite groups to donate to. Um, And also just with, um, you know, everything going on, uh, I think it's important to keep our community safe and out of jail as much as possible. Um, So uh, I also included the Philly Bailout Fund uh, as my second charity.
1: Wow, Carlos, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for highlighting for the girls. Am I pronouncing that right? For the girls.
2: Yeah, I think so. It's I, I. don't think
1: I've ever. I don't think I've ever heard it out loud. I know. Well, and Ashton, I learned that word from you actually, and it's become m- one of my new favorite words, but only through texting. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for highlighting for the girls and Philly bailout, and Ashton, thank you so much for highlighting legacy and the next generation project. We will definitely be posting about those on our Facebook and our Instagram. Block like the spotlight. If you don't follow us already, please, please do. And yeah, I can't believe that is all of our time here today. I feel like this flew by and there's literally, I feel like I could just pick y'all's brain on this topic for another two hours, literally at least, but I'm going to let you go about um, your business today. But yeah, I just, from the bottom of my heart, I just want to thank you both so, so much. I just, I appreciate and love you both and it means a lot to me that you would- um, commit to spending your time with us today and just chatting and imparting knowledge for all of us. So thank you so much.